Hi, everybody. Welcome to another Park Report Top 5 Podcast. This is Roy Avon. We have a great episode for you today, a really special episode. Very excited about it. Of course, if you've missed any back episodes, they're all available on progreport.com. You can download the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or Podbean. Some are available on YouTube. And as always, follow us on Facebook, at The Prog Report on Twitter, and also on Instagram. Also, I want to mention, uh, we just put up some new shirts on the progreport.com website store. And also, if you haven't had a chance yet, there's still copies available of the Essential Modern Progressive Rock Albums book, which includes uh, a bunch of albums by Dream Theater and a number of other great bands. So please check that out. So I'm really excited to introduce two great guests for this podcast that we have, the top five prog instrumentals. And I can't think of two better people really to have on this one than uh, from Dream Theater. I'd like to welcome Mr. John Petrucci. Hello. How you doing, Roy? All right. Thanks, man. And Mr. Jordan Rudis. Hello, Roy. Good to be here. Thank you, guys. Uh, Last time we spoke um, was actually when I got this amazing chance to be up at the studio in New York with you guys where you're recording the new album. Um, and that interview is, uh, online. Anybody who goes on YouTube, it's called, uh, it's dream theater interview at the studio and there's three parts. So, uh, but that was really incredibly months ago, right? We, that was back in September and the album was just about done recording. I think James was still singing and you hadn't gone through mixing and stuff. So, I'm really curious to get your thoughts on it now. Now that it's done, yeah. are you excited and, and happy with how it came out? Is it what you wished it would be? Totally. I, th- I think it, uh, it it came out exactly the way we all sort of hoped it would. You know, it, it sounds like uh, what we sound like when we all get together and have fun and play and write. And uh, it, we recorded it the way we envisioned it, you know, to have this big raw live kind of you know organic sound and so yeah couldn't be happier and it's exciting now because we did start to uh, release a couple of the songs and so we're starting to get some feedback which is always fun to finally yeah. get some interaction yeah well I'm, I'm curious about that because that's always sort of scary for any artist when you finally put your work out there and you start to see the comments on youtube or something so do you do you pay attention to that or do you try not to? Or, or? <laughs> I was just reading the comments this morning, actually. <laughs> you know, like Sometimes I'm reading them going, why am I reading these? But you know, it's so predictable. First of all, nowadays, everybody's a critic. Everybody thinks that they're professional. So you get that whole attitude thing. And, you know, they all fight amongst each other. And, you know, when you're, <clears throat> I don't know, like Dream Theater has some of the most passionate fans in the world. So everybody really has something to say. So, yeah. um, but you know, you have to, you have to kind of take it uh, to an extent with a grain of salt. But I think that, you know, it's fun because people are really, it seems like people are really into these songs and they're energized and they're, they're feeling the spirit of what, you know, what we did. And, yeah. you know, so there's definitely a lot of positivity there to, uh, you know, to, to enjoy if you're going to read them and, you know, the, the other stuff too. So you have to have somewhat thick skin just to be able to, uh, you know, get through. Get through well, it. some of them are funny. Cause, I mean, overall, I, I've sort of taken a look and I feel like it's been really positive. The new song that actually is, is out today while we're recording this is Fall Into the Light, which is, I mean, you can't get any more dream theater than that for me. But, um, you know, and I think the response has been overly, overly positive from what I could tell. But there are those funny comments where it's like, I really don't like that keyboard sound between minute 240 and 246. You know, you get like those type of things, which are just hilarious to me. Yeah. Well, you know, it's a, a funny world we live in because, like, I, I get, you know, why people um, fell in love with the band for the first time, what their reasons were, you know, as a fan of bands, like, you know, I'll, I'll even have these thoughts where, you know, it'll never be as good as this record that came out, you know, at this point. Um, but, but even still, it, it doesn't compel me to go on that band's site and then 
<laughs> right. <laughs> right. 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 Well, yeah. Everything. So that that part I don't get. Like I get I get the passion about music. I get having an opinion. It's all it's all good. It's all great. And I love the positivity that you said, you know, we're saying, I think that's fantastic. Um, I just, I don't, and maybe it's just me. Um, Cause people are like this with politicians, with movies, with sports, you know, I, I don't understand the, the need to have to like go on those people's sites and like criticize. It gives them power. I guess I don't understand like what you get out of that. everybody. Everybody is a professional critic, you know. They become yeah. empowered. They've got a voice as if yeah. it's going to have some special meaning, and I think that's what they do. And they're from the generation where they're so like involved, and they can get so close to us, and they probably even know that we're you know looking at these comments. So it's that is power in a way, yeah. you know. So uh, I think that's where that's coming from. Yeah, you're right, Jordan. And it's hard to, <laughs> hard to understand because neither of us would do that, even if we were part of this, you know, generation, and you know, we grew up with this stuff. But I don't know; it's it's definitely a weird headspace. <laughs> even like if I don't like a feature on my iPhone, I don't go on the Apple site and start. To- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just I just call Tim Cook and complain directly. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, you could. That's funny. No <laughs> reason to. You know, you got to like, and we're really conscious of this. It's like, you know, it comes down to the art that you you make and your relationships and the music you make together. And it's like, that's the most important thing. And if you're having fun and feeling great about it and doing what you love to do together as a band, that that's what's the most important thing. And then, you know, when you put it out there, then whatever happens, happens. But, you know, if you start, if it starts to come from another place where you're so worried about th- what this one or that one will think or what somebody said, then it just becomes very ingenuous. It's, it's not a good space to be in, you know? No, absolutely. Yeah. I wanted to ask you about uh, in recording and, and testing a mix and stuff. I'm always curious about, do you get the, do you print a CD or put on your iPhone, I guess, and do like a car test, like old school style to listen to how it sounds? Or how, how do you decide when it's finally done for you? What's the barometer? <laughs> hmm. Well, we listen, between all of us in the band, we try to listen to the music in every possible way with different sets of headphones, you know, right. in our cars, with whatever speakers are possible. And, you know, we all have, we all have our opinions <laughs> in our group, <laughs> you know. I mean, the mix on this album is incredible. The production is uh, possibly as good as any album you've ever had. And I and I have to tell you, I I got a chance to hear a couple of songs in early early demo form, right when we were we were up there at the studio. And I never got a chance to tell you about having a uh, to listen to the final product. And man, it's just it's a kick ass album. And I, I I'm of course I'm I may come off biased a little bit on that, but. It's it's perfect. Every song is great. The production is amazing. I, I as a fan, I mean, I have to tell you, it's it's awesome. That's great so job. Nice to hear. Thank you. Yeah. Awesome. So uh, yeah, you. there's a good comment for you. We appreciate uh, it. <laughs> <laughs> are you guys uh, close to getting uh, into rehearsing yet? Is that already already begun for for the tour and stuff? Not yet. We still have a little bit of time, but we you know we the the tour preparation has been in motion for a while now so you know anything from uh, our set design uh, set design to you know the song choices to crew securing crew travel you know all that stuff has been happening but um as far as rehearsing no unless people are just you know personally rehearsing which starts yeah, we we know that John Mayung is practicing as we speak right now. In his <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He was he was practicing every minute that we weren't talking, and at the studio he had his bass and he was playing. I remember that. Right. that yeah. Was, yeah, yeah. He's, that's uh, how he always is. That's he, funny. He's a, he's a great practicer. I'm actually <laughs> starting to um, make the sounds, uh, make you know the live sounds on my instruments for for the tour. I've got to get a good head start on that because sometimes it gets fairly involved. Yeah. So that process has begun. Our writing director is uh, programming as we speak as well, and our video content creator has been working hard for the last several months. So, yeah, it's a process 
Right. You know, short of the band just actually getting together and rehearsing the songs. Um, That's the easy that part, right? A while ago, yeah. By that point, we'll, we'll all know them and we'll come in and we'll play. We're just going to put everything together. Yeah. I'm assuming, uh, you know, a good portion of the new album is going to be live. Is that, are you, you going to play a few of the songs, the, the whole thing? What do you, where are you thinking? We'll play a few of the songs. We're not going to play the whole thing, you know, um, you know, cause we're doing an evening with, we have two sets and the second, um, of course people might know this by now, but the second set is celebrating scenes from a memory in its entirety. So the first set, you know, we, we, we want to certainly play some of the newer songs, but we want to feature some older so- songs as well. Um, so it'll be a little bit of a mix. Nice. Uh, and I, I wanted to ask about, uh, lastly, with some of the festivals you guys are doing, um, that are lined up, those are, those are shorter. So would, would those be obviously not scenes from memory, just a general mix of songs, a couple of new ones, that type of thing? Exactly. We haven't put that together yet, but that's the, that's going to be the nature of it. All right. Um, I, I might have some more questions about the album coming up, but for anybody else that is listening, the new songs, there's two new songs out. Untethered Angel came out a little while back. Uh, Fall Into the Light is out now. Album comes out February 22nd. Distance Over Time. Definitely get it. Um, all right. So here's, uh, I'll give you the rundown on the uh, the top five. We're going to do prog instrumentals. Uh, we'll count them down. Five, four, three, two, one. There, we did not discuss which ones we were going to go with, so no idea what anyone's going to pick. Um, and there's no real rules or anything. Uh, John, I'm going to give you the floor to go first, so why don't you go with what your number five uh, prog instrumental is? Oh, boy. Um, well, I you know, I, I was starting to think about this um, when, when uh, I, I learned of what we were going to be talking about. And, uh, you know, a, a lot of like the the instrumental influences on me are, are, are largely um, by the guitar players that I'm, you know, that I was influenced by, you know, sure. and when, when I thought about like, you know, is it Prague or not, or trying to think of Prague bands, you know, like that you might immediately go to like, what's a Prague band Genesis, you know what I mean? Like I, right. I kind of couldn't wrap my head around that. So, um, as I started to deep to think about it a little deeper and, and think about some of those guitar players, I, I kind of went with this first one. I went back in time to when I first got turned on to um, return to forever. And uh, I, I just was listening to this album romantic warrior for just over and over and over and over and over. Cause somebody, a friend had turned me on to Aldi Miola and then I got into the whole fusion thing, Chick Korean. I got this record with, with Stanley Clark and Demiola and Chikoria and mm-hmm. um, Lenny White. And, you know, it's just like this insane instrumental, you know, fusiony, shredding music. Yeah, that, that works. I mean, that, yeah. that absolutely. It's crazy. So this, there's a song on it. It's pretty pompous. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> it's called Duel of the Jester and the Tyrant. Part one and part two. So you can oh, see the frog influence on mm-hmm. uh, Dream Theater. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's from the Romantic Warrior. I'm, I mean, it's, um, yeah, it's from the Romantic Warrior record by Return to Forever. And it's just, yeah, it's, it's just crazy playing and soloing and, it's experimental and jamming and the, the bass soloing is like insane on it. Um, what Stanley Clark is doing. It's just, it's just wacky stuff. It reminds me of like the Berkeley days when I was there. I mean, this came, it came out in like 76. So, um, when I was a kid, but I just remember like being at Berkeley and listening to this and people being so into this stuff. Very cool. I don't actually I'm not familiar with that one. I'm gonna have to check that out. I mean, I know the band and I know the players. Um, the song doesn't 
ring a bell for me. But yeah, with rocky. that title, it's you know. rocky. The, the title is so like Dream Theater, Duel yeah. of the Justice. <laughs> That's part right. one and part two. Right. <laughs> so pompous. Yeah. That's very cool. Um, that's good guess. All right, Jordan, what's your f- number five? Uh, I think we'll start with uh, the band Refugee, and the song is called Papillon. So uh, Refugee, if you're not familiar, was a band with Patrick Moraz as the keyboard player. Yeah. And the guys who uh, were formerly in the Nice that kind of came and joined him. And um, this was a... Uh, a really important album to me because it was around the time that I heard this around the time that I was still playing a lot of classical music and, you know, thinking about whether I wanted to continue as a classical pianist or not. And I kind of heard this and I heard Patrick Moraz play and he was my biggest influence as far as using the pitch wheel, expressing leads and things like that. And it kind of blew my mind. Uh, and this particular song is the one, the Papillon is the song that starts the album and it's got some really adventurous keyboards on it. Patrick Moraz was probably the most, uh, in many ways, uh, you know, well, maybe not the most, but a, but a super adventurous, um, risk-taking keyboard player. Yeah, and, uh, He just did some wonderful stuff, and it's a great album. And uh, it's too bad we can't pick a song with vocals, because the one song that really did change my life was the uh, song Someday, which had this uh, Minimoog keyboard solo on it, which was the reason I, you know, started to then pitch and get into that whole whole world of possibilities. I do know that album. They, now they only had the one album, right? The, the right, band, right? And they also had yeah. a live album. Yeah. It's kind of hard to find. I don't know that that album. Yeah, I got to turn you on to it. It's really hard to find. I was looking for it like on iTunes and Spotify. I didn't really see it anywhere. I happen to have it. No, I think it's just on YouTube somewhere. The, yeah. So, somewhere. so anybody who uh, you know wants to check it out, I guess you have to go to YouTube and just yeah. uh, type in "Refugee," maybe Patrick Moraz, and it'll come up. And again, the song is "Papillon." It's really very cool. Yeah, that's kick-ass stuff too as well. Um, okay, my number five you guys are definitely familiar with. You were talking about, John, about uh, guitarists, and I was trying to figure out a way to include this one guitarist who um, is one of my favorites. I, I think he's one of yours as well, and that's Steve Morse. And I really like the Steve Morse band stuff, but I said I thought, well, that maybe is borderline prog, even though for me it's this, all the same, you know, shredding crazy musical stuff. But I, I figured I'd go more Dixie Dregs. And, oh, and, I wonder if you picked one of mine because I have a Dixie Dregs song on my list. It could be. I mean, that's okay. If it, yeah. So I went with I went with Odyssey. Oh, nice. Oh, well, I was thinking of that too. I didn't make it to my yeah. list. I was kind of feeling funny about choosing something that I was involved with. But uh, yeah, okay, right. Yeah. So I know you guys did did the cover on on the Black Clouds album, and uh, uh, yes, you yeah. know, I mean, as much as I love. Um, the Dixie Dreg stuff, I like the stuff that was more like this style. Yeah. You know, so some of the stuff they did was, was you know, kind of, um, I guess maybe Dixie-ish, for lack of a better word. Yeah, they did, they had, yeah, they did a lot of bluegrass stuff and right. you know, uh, some more rock and roll stuff, country, you know. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, it kind of, it spanned, but they did have this, I, I couldn't agree uh, more with you. I think they totally, like, define the sound of Prague. I mean, the, the whole instrumentation, um, you know, guitar, keyboards, bass, you know, violin, it's like, and, and especially in a song like Odyssey, when they, they're going in that direction, um, I mean, what's more proggy than that, you know? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> he has this specific kind of uh, sweeping sound that he does when he plays that is totally unique to just him. Yeah. And uh, I just love the way he plays. That's that's another, another one of my heroes. So I had to... I, I had to wedge him in here some somewhere, but I so, agree more. so uh, yeah, and that's from the the What If album. Right. Uh, I think their third album.
So, uh, John, you're number four. My number four, I'm going to go from something that was uh, done in the 70s to something that's more modern. Um, and, it, it, you know, sometimes when you think about, like, Prague and where it started and where it's gone, it's, it's really, really, really interesting. It's in, Even when Dream Theater first started, it was so different because we were so separated from that period of the 70s where it was, like, so big. Um, you know, in the 90s, uh, we were kind of on our own with that. But, you know, fast forward and, and you have all these, these um, younger musicians being influenced. And um, I had this young man with me uh, on my guitar camp, uh, Tosin Abasi. Yeah. Of course, uh, you know, when the first Animals as Leaders album came out, it was 2009. It's just like mind-blowing stuff. And he played one of the songs at my camp from that record. Um, <laughs> and I was like... <laughs> What the hell is the matter with you, man? <laughs> You're like out of your mind. So the song Tempting Time from the first yeah. Animals as Leaders record, which is, you know, it's all Tosin, but um, it's uh, it's a different kind of prog, you know? It, it's obviously yeah. instrumental, but it's like fast forward to, you know, the world of uh, hyper technique as far as guitar is concerned and, you know, crazy syncopation, odd times and tapping and, you know, even, even kind of strange harmonic departures, you know, that's like an eerie kind of dark vibe. So, you know, really, really proggy in a very different way, but definitely more towards the, the technical and sort of out of this world side. Are you ever blown away by the success a band like that has had? Because that's, I, I mean, I think it's well-deserved, but it it confuses me sometimes because it's, they have a younger audience, uh, you know, they sell out clubs and, and decent-sized venues and their albums debut in the, the Billboard charts. And I'm like, it's the most complicated music out oh, there. Is, yeah. And I don't know how they've, how they've been able to achieve it, but I think it's amazing. I have a theory. I, yeah. there was a, there was a crossover point, you know, video games have been around for a long time and there's a whole thing with, you know, young people about like, if you're the best, if you reach the high level or beat the game. Yeah. And, and like when rock band came out, right. all of a sudden it's like, you know, if you could play the dream theater song or the, or the dragon force song, then you were the best. And it like did this weird crossover where like the more technical music, appealed to the younger generation because it's this like sort of challenge and it makes sense now that a band like animals leaders and you know a lot of different more modern very technical prog bands and the metal thing it makes sense to me why that caught on and is popular yeah and and i love it i love that there's a there's such a scene because again it, it's way different than when we started you know there was nothing there wasn't a scene you know Right. Yeah. I mean, and, and he's, they're not getting radio and there's right. no, they're not even trying. It's right. instrumental prog. Yeah, I mean. So the people there really appreciate what they're doing and they're there because they love the music and they, you know, value the, uh, you know, what's going on technically. And it's a more sort of heady thing. And it's just really cool. Yeah, absolutely. I, I have something to, to uh, add to that, which is that I think yeah. that the, it's interesting to me, to kind of see the way that the world of the electric guitar continues to kind of evolve. It's very different than any other instrument uh, from my perspective. I just see it as this thing that constantly is changing and there's so much push yeah. you know, to, uh, to kind of keep accelerating it and keep getting like, like better, more advanced, you know, like it's partly because of all the videos that are out, all the access to media that, 
um, that whole art form moves so quickly. I get you could say the same thing about other instruments, but it's not as much. Tosin Abasi could exist, you know, like <laughs> pretty much any other <laughs> form. He's just, you know, like a guitar freak, you know, it's just like ridiculous. So, um, I just think that that instrument has evolved so much and people just enjoy that. You know, the electric guitar has, has its place in the musical universe. And that's part of the reason that it has the popularity that it does. Cause yeah, it's really it's, interested to see yeah, what you're going to do on the guitar next. I know. You know so. <laughs> Accelerating um, by, by leaps and bounds. You're up. Yeah, right. Right. Yeah. And I, that's why when people say like, no one, no one's out there playing guitar anymore or, or rock is dead. It's like, no, you're just looking in the wrong place. Right. Yeah, couldn't be less. You know? Yeah. Uh, all right, Jordan, that's, uh, yeah, you're number four. Okay, so uh, I think for my number four, I'm going to go with also a new band uh, that maybe some people have not heard of, uh, and, but I'm very aware of, and they're called Special Providence. Um, yeah, I know those It's guys. a band out of Hungary, um, and they do, they're all an all-instrumental band, uh, and the song that I'm choosing is called Distant Knowledge. I think it's a good uh, representation of where they're coming from. First of all, they're really all amazing players and they can go from the whole like gent kind of style into fusion to jazz. And they do it all with this kind of in- intensity that I really, really uh, love. And they mix a lot of cool rhythms. It reminds me sometimes of like older dream theater where where like the drums will just kind of like play around the groove or the beat that the rest of the band is playing in and um you know the tones are awesome the keyboard the, and you know another reason i i, I love the song and i love the band is because the keyboard player jolt his name is is really awesome too he's got this he's got a really great mix of technique and kind of fusiony chops that uh, mixes really well so if people haven't heard that song and that band you definitely got to check it out because it's really pretty pretty unique Yeah, we've we've uh, I think we've reported a little bit about them on the website on the Proper Report website before, and uh, yeah, that's a good yeah, good newer band for yeah, sure, definitely. Doing cool stuff. Um, all right, I'm going. Uh, okay, so I'm going to be the one to go back old school, I guess, and uh, I, probably the most obvious choice, I think. But I'm going to go Rush Y Y Z. Um, maybe it's low on my list. I don't know, but uh, I feel like you got to go Rush if you're doing one of these lists. This is the the song that uh, I don't know. Maybe Livia Strangiato's maybe the arguably the better instrumental, but I always sort of liked this one because of the kind of metal vibe that it has, and um, you know the more modern production and the the riff and the whole thing, and they're able to do it all in whatever the song is five six minutes. Um, what can you say about it? It's you know complete genius. Yeah, that's one of you know, again. You know, it's tough not to pick that one. That's like one of the classics and and one of the cool things about that one is it's very theme based you know as a song some of, some of the other like sort of um complex prog or the older stuff is like very especially on the more fusion end it's more jamming and stuff like this and and yyz has like a it features all the instrumentalists but it's done in the form of a of song where there's a there's yeah. noticeable you know, hook and bridge. And it's really interesting the way they did it. But yeah, that's like one of the best of all time. Couldn't agree more. Your cat is like chiming in in the background, making that really I know, cool. sorry about that. <laughs> is that what that is? It's, yeah, a, it's a cat? Uh, okay. It's down. I remember that. Awful. <laughs> she either agrees or disagrees. We don't know. Adding flavor um, to the conversation. Yeah. <laughs>
right. Uh, okay, we're back to you, John. You're number three. I'm going to go uh, in a slightly different direction. This is a band that, like, I consider them progressive, and it definitely contributes to a, a big side of Blue Dream Theater is as far as sound influence, but it would be Metallica. And, um, of course, on the Master of Puppets record, they had Orion, which was their instrumental. And it, it, I almost had that. I, that was on, on my list of songs. Yeah. Funny, you know, because you don't think of, like, metal bands necessarily having instrumentals, you know? Um, and I love that they put it they put it on such a, an incredible record. Um, and, of course, of course, all of Cliff Burton's work is amazing on that. But, you know, it's a great example of just, like, them doing their thing and and developing a very distinct sound um and and it has lots of different feels and changes and twists and um yeah that that was that was one for me you know i think about some of the instrumentals that dream theater has written and and i'd be lying if i said that the metallica influence hasn't played a part on you know so many of the the more driving heavier sections or even some of the more melodic sections Yeah, I mean, I've always felt that that Dream Theater was able to sort of take what Metallica and fuse it with Yes and yeah. Genesis. And if I'm explaining it to someone who has no clue right. about what you guys are, that's I find this almost the easiest way to do it. I think. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah. Me too. But that Master of Puppets is 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 a masterpiece. That's my favorite Metallica album. After that, I'm, it's hit or miss for me, really. But uh, that album is is close to just being a prog album it's just metal right i couldn't agree more yeah you know the the song structures the song lengths the it's it's total prog it's just yeah it's in a metal way very cool love it uh jordan number three uh for number three i'm going to choose the band kansas uh and a song called spider the song is i don't know if you guys know the song it's it's a very short i don't know that one. Uh, it's a very short and to the point tune, but it's su- actually it's called The Spider, I should say, would be correct. It's really short and concise, but it's so aggressive and it's totally classic Kansas. It's wow. got this driving organ that kind of leads it. And of course, you know, the violin and the guitar are mixed in as Kansas does it. But what's really cool about it, it's really adventurous. You go back and you listen to this song, you go, holy shit, like these, these guys are doing like some really serious prog. They're a great, great band. So um, for some reason, like sometimes I'll, you know, if I'm thinking about my favorite prog bands, they don't, they don't really come to my mind right away. But then right. when I give it more thought, like to do this, I was going back and saying, well, what, you know, instrumentals really are cool and meaningful and I, that I really love. And this is definitely one of them. harmonically it's a little bit like from the dregsy kind of school <clears throat> they share that that approach of using a lot of kind of major chords over different roots and it's uh, it's a very it's it's kind of like a very american sound like that they helped to develop in prague so i, I love that um 
it's definitely worth hearing for anybody who wants to hear like some really classic kind of keyboard focused, uh, you know, progressive rock. Always good. And, and uh, Point of No Return Point is no return, a, yeah. a monster, monster album. That's it. Yeah, totally. Um, That's awesome. Okay, yeah, I'm going around that same era with uh, my number three with uh, Genesis, Los Endos. Oh, good. Uh, one of my all-time favorite bands, one of their great albums. I'm a huge fan of, of Steve Hackett as a guitar player and – uh, really, all the guys. I mean, but uh, I think Phil Phil Collins as a drummer is always underappreciated to me. I think he's a, a, an incredible drummer, and uh, people that don't know him for that and only know him for the '80s hits, you know, don't don't recognize that. But uh, his playing on that song is is amazing. The way they incorporate the different themes from the album, bringing back stuff like Squonk and mm-hmm. and uh, all of that into that song, um, just great. you guys ever get a chance to see uh genesis live when you know either with with peter or or after uh i i never did no yeah i saw them a bunch of times but not in the peter gabriel day uh which i'm sad about but i you know once phil collins trick of the tale is probably one of my all-time favorite albums so that was almost kind of on my list as well but um yeah, huge influence. I'm a big student of the Tony Banks School of Harmony, and I just think that he had such a great. There's a few key, you know, keyboardist composers out there. Well, not only keyboardists, guitarists too. That that had a re, you know really important, unique sense of harmony that I kind of like study and fill my ears and my head with. And Tony Banks is definitely one of them. And that album was a huge influence. Yeah, I yeah. also love that song. And they were great live, really great. And Phil Collins, yeah, what an amazing drummer, just incredible. Jordan, back then you had uh, uh, keyboards were a really a lead instrument where the guys you were famous, you know, Tony Banks and Keith Emerson and mm-hmm. and some of these guys, and they had unique sounds. And now th- that's less so, right? I think, I mean, you're maybe the most well known of yeah. the current kind of guys. Is that what, what do you think the change was there? Well, I think nowadays, you know, the the, the prog metal, you know, is kind of a bigger thing than just like you know progressive rock itself that's even a little bit more underground you know um yeah. or that's you know i mean everybody it, wants to be a guitar player that's right, right it's cooler right, totally <laughs> um yeah i just think that uh you know if you if you, if you search there's, there's tons of bands doing cool things with uh, with keyboards but most you know a lot of great keyboard players are more found in like you know the like the movie scoring business, you know, that kind of thing and composing, doing things. Um, I don't know. It's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. John, you're number two. Wow. We're up to number two already. Yeah. This thing flies. Oh my goodness. I'm not sure then. Um, you know, I guess it it would be, uh, it'd be wrong not to pick a Dixie drag song. I know, I know you already did. Yeah, go ahead. But, uh, you know, they, there couldn't be a, a more blatant uh, influence personally than, than than them. So, you know, I'm thinking about the Dregs of the Earth record, which came out in 1980, uh, this song called I'm Freaking Out. And uh, I just always love when they play. I saw them play live a, a lot of times, and I always look forward to them playing that. And the lineup on that record Steve Morris, Andy West, Alan Sloan, Rod Morgenstein, T. Lavitz. A lot of people consider that like the classic, right? You know, Dixie Dregs lineup. And uh, there's so many cool songs to choose, but uh, that song I'm freaking out. It's that is as proggy as it gets.
Jordan, you played with them, right, for a brief period? I did, yeah. It was amazing. I remember the first time I had seen the Dregs uh, in New York City, and I watched um, – this is watching the band, and I was thinking the whole time, like, man, that drummer – one day it would be so great to play music with him. But I thought at that point I really didn't have much going on and I just, it was a total dream. Um, <laughs> and of course you know, that dream came true, which was amazing. Um, but Rod, you know, his drumming is so unbelievable. It's just like really yeah. very, very favorite drummer. So that was a big dream of mine. And then, and then I got the offer to play in the dregs. So there was so much about that that was really meaningful to me. And I, I really learned so much from Steve Morse as well. You know, he's such a, he's such a pro and he's just this interesting, talented character that plays the guitar so beautifully. And he, he just taught me a lot about being in a band and, you know, things like, you know, okay, when somebody's playing a lead, it's time to like really lay back and like go simple and, you know, and it just a, a lot of, a lot of that kind of thing that I thought was, well, was very important, uh, then and now and um you know wonderful wonderful musicians and cool people it was a great experience yeah. it was about a year of touring with them um definitely that's great a lot of fun you guys uh on the new album didn't do an instrumental so well some albums you have done what what's the deciding factor there it's just sort of you write one and and it comes or or maybe you wrote one and decided not to use it I mean, we'll, we'll usually like decide ahead of time whether we want one on the record or not. And it's just whether it's a funny thing. It's like, it usually just feels right. And we'll just be together and be like, let's have an instrumental on this record. We haven't done one since blah, blah, blah. And, right. and we do it, you know, this record, it didn't feel like the time to do it for whatever reason. And it's not that on this record there's not extended instrumental sections when, when the record. Well, comes. that's the thing. There always are yeah. moments where, you know, four minutes of, of just music. When, so. when the uh, when the album finally comes out, people will be, you know, surprised, yeah. interested to hear some of these extended, really wild, you know, instrumental <laughs> sections yeah. that makes me really smile. So, I mean, in that from that point of view, we kind of satisfied our desire to like go nuts on our instrument right. and do what we do. We didn't need to have like an instrumental. And also we wanted to make this album, you know, our concept behind it was to make it more kind of hard hitting, more concise, more song based. But, you know, within that, within that, there's definitely some some very cool extensions uh, yeah. to check out. Um, uh, well, actually, Jonah, we're, we're up to you with uh, your number two then, so you can... So I think that uh, it would, it's important to bring King Crimson into the, uh, into the picture yeah. here. So I chose the song Red. Uh, okay, you know, King Crimson is one of my all-time favorite bands. I see, you know, Robert Fripp and, you know, as, a, as an important composer of our generation, just somebody whose music kind of never goes out of style, which is you know, an interesting thing and, you know, very unique sound that Robert Fripp basically brought the tritone, uh, you know, into, into, into the rock world in a big way. And, uh, and that song. Yeah, was Sabbath. I thought that was Tony Iommi who did that. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. The two, the two of them together. So, um, but that's wrong. Yeah, that King really Crimson important. on the list for sure. Yeah. King Crimson's really important. Here, I'm going to go into the territory where, you know, looks like maybe I'm, uh, <laughs> you know, appeasing my guests, but uh, these are what I would have picked uh, regardless, just so you know. I'm going to go with uh, from Liquid Tension, my number two for Liquid Tension, number two, When the Water Breaks. Oh, I'm flattered. Which is uh, <laughs> one of my all-time favorite songs. Uh it's it's my favorite song of the liquid tension stuff although all of that stuff's amazing i love the the whole way all the different motifs that you guys go through in that and and really maybe my favorite part of it is the simplest part the beginning oh. um after the opening part the there's sort of i guess you'd call it the verse right in the you know mm -hmm. uh where you're playing a melodic thing john and it's sort of it's 
the most gorgeous solo there in the beginning. And I just love that. So that's um, always one that stuck with me. And I, I guess the title from what we know has a, has a story that maybe not everybody knows. So. Well, yeah, when, when we were um, writing that record, my wife was very pregnant with our third child who is now 20 years old. <laughs> and, uh, I got the call and uh, had the water broke. We were up in Millbrook at the time writing and recording the record. And I raced back to Long Island for the birth of my daughter, Kiara. So, yeah. That's cool. The title came from. And it's so funny because, Jordan, you put that baby sample on the right. <laughs> <laughs> Marking the time. Absolutely. The other thing I remember about that song is that um, I was sitting at home one day and I really wanted to, I wanted to write a part that was, that I thought was very like dream theater like, I think, I, I hope I'm thinking of the, of the, the section I'm thinking about is in that song. John, you'll tell me it's the one that goes. Yeah, yeah, that's the opening riff, right? Yeah. that's So yeah, I just was like, okay. You know, cause I wasn't in dream theater, but I got off and, but you know, I, we don't have time to go into the whole story. But <laughs> I was excited to work with John and Mike and of course, Tony Levin, but I wanted to write something that I thought was like almost like classic dream theater. So I, yeah. so I spent some time crafting that riff and I was nervous because I didn't know if the guys were really going to dig it or not, but I thought it was pretty cool. And I brought it in and everybody smiled and we ended up, you know, putting it in there and, and having a good time with it. That's when we knew we wanted Jordan in the band. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> when I could bring in the set, when I could harness the, uh, the set. Well, that is funny because I don't think a lot of people knew that that you wrote that and John wasn't well, the one. A lot of people have no that. idea what I write and what John writes. <laughs> 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 we should have a contest and everybody would lose. <laughs> Love that song and uh, and glad to talk about it there. Um, okay, John, you're number one. Well, you kind of said it already, so it's a spoiler alert. But okay, my favorite band of all time is Rush and Olivia Strangiato. Just that's it, you know, for, for yeah. so many reasons. I mean, you look at that song just just when you even look at it with all the parts, you know, it's just so proggy and it's such a big influence. Um, it, it, it has a lot of fun to it, you know, yeah, based yeah. on like a nightmare that Alex had or something like, you know, so you, you see sort of the funny side of Rush and the guys um, totally showcases all of them as instrumentalists. It, it is, again, very theme based and has what quite possibly is one of the best guitar solos ever recorded. Um, and the whole way that they put that on the record where the band breaks down into this really stripped down groove and Alex comes in with a bluesy thing and builds it to a frenzy. Uh, yeah. It's one of the greatest recorded moments ever. So yeah, yeah absolutely. That's a big one. So we got two Rush songs. I, I did YYZ, so we're good. Two different, two different songs. But uh, yeah, I know you're a huge Rush fan. I figured that would be somewhere on your list, so I'm glad we, we were able to do that. Um, did Dream Theater ever ever cover that one? 
Um, we played like sections of it, but I don't think we didn't do like a full cover. Yeah, I didn't think so. Okay. Uh, all right, Jordan, you're number one. So uh, I knew that, you know, between you guys, you would definitely cover Rush. So I didn't include any Rush. In my <laughs> right. um, but I did uh, need to include some Emerson, Lake and Palmer in the list. So uh, the one that I chose is uh, Carnival 9, the second impression. Cool. Uh, you know, Keith Emerson, first of all, was probably my biggest influence in, the, in keyboard playing. The, the first time I heard him play, uh, you know, I was just really struck by the power, the kind of like the might of the sound of the keyboards and the way that he used his particular, you know, harmonies, a lot of suspended chords, chords built on fourths. Um, and the organ sound that he had was amazing. And of course the synth too. So, um, you know, tremendous, uh, influence to Prague music in general. So, so I think it's important that they're included in the list and Carnival nine <clears throat> in its, uh, you know, in its whole is a, is a pretty much a masterpiece. The second impression is really, really cool. And that's what I chose because it's all instrumental and it features a lot of great piano playing, a lot of interesting time changes. I actually played that long, many years ago at a NAM show. I covered it and I was thinking when I was going back and listening to it that I got to pick it up again because it's a really fun, great, kind of hard uh, you know, piece to play. I did it with Rod Morgenstein um, mm -hmm. back in the day. But um, yeah, a, a, a classic kind of keyboard-based um, you know, Prague song for sure. Yeah, no, I'm glad we got ELP in there. I was that was another band I was looking through. You know, what should I pick and who should I pick from for mine? And and so I'm glad you got them in there. Um, yeah, I don't think I think we we represented all the good bands. Well, they, they were they were run they were runner ups or ones that were almost equally <laughs> yeah. important, but we can leave it at that. Yeah. Uh, well, of course, we left out one band, one very important band for instrumentals, and so I'm going to include that band in my list, and that is Dream Theater. Uh oh. For my number one. Uh, and uh, with all due respect to your choices, this is the best instrumental ever. And it's <laughs> Dance of, it is Dance of Eternity. Oh, wow. And so uh, I, I have to include that in number one. And of course, the timing is actually coincidental with you guys going on tour and playing scenes from memory mm -hmm. um, and, uh, and everything. But, you know, when I first heard that song, I was, we were listening to it, uh, me and a bunch of friends of mine, we did like a, record release party in my house oh, and, cool. uh, and, and so we were listening to that and there was a part where um i guess just before the middle piano break that you do in there jordan yeah i think John, you do like a crazy sweep or something yeah and i remember because my friend said hold on a second pause that and rewind what did he just what did he just do there <laughs> <laughs> that's funny um, uh, yeah, look, you guys don't need me to tell you, but that's, that song's insane. I mean, what, talk about just, you know, writing that and, and, and some of the different, uh, uh arrangements and what, what it took to finally get it to its final version. Hmm. Well, that was a very exciting time because, you know, for me, that was, I had just stepped out of the liquid tension sessions, just walked into the dream theater world where I thought things were going to be kind of like the same because it was just changing from the tall, bald bass player to the Asian guy with long hair. But of course, <laughs> every, everything was very different. Um, and it was just really exciting. You know, it was a lot of energy in the air. The guys were really, I think, excited to have a big change in their musical lives. And I was excited because it was something that uh, felt like it was just meant to be. So we had a lot of this energy kind of coming into it. And there was a lot of it that kind of came out in that song. Um, yeah. So it kind of led to, you know, this high, high energy kind of instrumental and uh, the, uh, the whole album, uh, you know, in general had that spirit behind it. You've played a, a, a lot of selections, you know, over time in, in, you know, on tour, but have you had to, 
Has it been a while? Have you had to go back and, and listen to the whole thing from beginning to end? And, and what does it mean to you now when you listen to it now before you go out on the road and, and play this whole thing? I mean, we played it before, you know, obviously since that we toured on that record, but that's definitely one of those things where you have to kind of re-wrap your head around it um, because some of the parts are pretty jolting. It, it's, it's funny listening to it now. Like, I don't know if this happens to Jordan, but it still takes me back to like how it was written and where the parts came from and what we were thinking about. And I remember that song was kind of a blend of, we were trying to put themes that were originally in Metropolis part one in there. And then we also were doing something which contributes to the instrumental sections in our music um, to them being so angular and wacky and weird where you, you don't, know what the next thing is going to be, you know, mm-hmm. is, is going to bring. It's kind of like Space Mountain in Disney World. Like you can't, t- it's in the dark, so you can't tell what's going to happen next. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and, and we do that by literally taking ideas that have nothing to do with one another. <laughs> you know, and be like, yeah, I have this cool wacky thing that I wrote. Let's put that in there. You know, it's like you're making a soup. Let me try soup. And then the challenge as songwriters is, is how you do that in such a way where it does sound musical. It does sound purposeful, even right. though it might throw you for a loop. There, there is a way that you have to connect those things, whether it's, you know, having to do with the, the time signatures or rhythmically or harmonically trying to figure out how to like, this is something Jordan does so well. It's just trying to figure out how to like modulate into the right key to get to another section. So I remember that song was a real opportunity to play around with some like interesting compositional techniques. There was definitely that element, like John said, of creating this soup of all these cool ideas, but there was also an element of that. We really got into of like taking motifs and riffs um, and we kind of explored this in liquid tension as well, where we take something that might exist in the high register, <clears throat> you know, of, of an instrument or just the, the band sound, and then move it into the low register and see what we could put on top of it. Right. So right. there was a lot of that where, okay, let's take that riff. Let's, for me, it was a matter of let's put it in the left hand or in the bass and then compose something in the right hand. And also, uh, you know, the, the humorous thing that people always comment was the little honky tonk section that, that uh, was on the piano. Right. And I was literally just having fun in the studio with the guys. I just wanted to, I wasn't serious. I just wanted to make them laugh. So I took the riff that we were playing was this really heavy kind of linear unison riff. And I, and I just made it into a honky tonk thing and everybody. <laughs> and I thought that that would be the end of it, but somebody maybe, Mike Borden said, oh, we got to put that in. And I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> we'll put it in there. Those are, those are the parts that would always make me laugh when you're like, well, I can't, how are they and, throwing this in there and yeah. making it work? And I think I think we kind of like were reminded or we learned that, you know, in, in our serious prog or any serious prog, it's always great to have a little bit of humor. You know, it, make, it really lightens things and, it, and allows people to enjoy. There's certain things that allow people to enjoy music more than, yeah. you know, other things like, if your band is like too academic or technical, it's, you know, it, they could be amazing, but you tend not to totally like love it. But if some, but if music has a little bit of humor and it has melody and heart, then, you know, people are drawn to it. So it's one of the things that we're very conscious of and we enjoy, you know, in dream theater that I think helps to uh, make our music uh, something that the fans can really love. Absolutely. Uh, well, I think we, got, we talked about all the good bands, a ton of great songs, uh, guys, thank you so much. I, I really, I can't tell you how much uh, I appreciate the first time getting to speak to you in the studio and, and do that. And then for you guys to come on and, and have a little fun here with me here. Uh, really great. And I appreciate it so much. Oh, thanks, um, Roy. Good to be here with you. And uh, so again, uh, man, and the new album just doesn't let up. It kicks off with Untethered Angel. And then from then on, song after song, just uh, will blow you away. Uh, Distance over time, February twenty second uh, comes out. The new song "Fall into the Light" is out now, so check that out. And the tour, um, I want to say March, yeah, uh, kicks off in in March, and uh, I think you guys are coming down uh, my way, Florida, around April. So I'll be there. Great. 
and uh, hopefully we can say hi. And uh, guys, thanks again. Have a great tour, everything that, that's coming uh, along the way. I, I'm sure we'll talk again soon. Thank you so much, Roy. This was a lot of fun. It really yeah, was. Thanks, Roy. It's awesome. All right, man. thanks. All right. All right bye. See ya. All right, take care.